This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. Ringgit and Sense on BFM 89.9, the business station. Good morning. You're tuned in to Ringgit and Sense, the show all about personal finance, and I'm Sim Weeboon. Today, we explore the landscape of estate planning from an Islamic finance perspective. Now, estate planning is a vital part of financial planning, but often a forgotten element, especially for when it comes to Muslim financial planning. You know, we usually spend our time building and protecting our wealth, but tend to forego the last part, which is distributing it, legacy planning. In fact, according to the Malaysian Institute of Estate Planners, 80% of Malaysians do not possess valid wills, with many having no idea what happens to their wishes if their wishes aren't followed after death. So joining me to discuss this is Ahmad Shariza bin Abdul Rahman. He's the head of Islamic wealth management and business development at Maybank Islamic. Good morning and welcome to the show, Shariza. Good morning, Sin. Now, give me the lay of the land. What What's the estate planning landscape like in Malaysia? Generally, how often do people think about it or do it? Uh, what's What's your observation been? Yeah, actually, you're right. I think uh, we're seeing similar trends as well. Um, less than 20% of people have uh, varied wills. And if you deep dive that further, especially for the Muslim consumers, how many have, have wasiat? for themselves, it is much lower, right? Uh, definitely important subject, but very much underpenetrated in terms of awareness and, you know, take up of this particular service. So, yeah. What happens if you don't, if you, you pass away, especially for a Muslim, right? You pass away without a wasiat, uh, without anything written or valid information on how you want your assets to be distributed. Maybe I can start with just to give a bit broad definition what is a wasiat. Yes. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, wasiat in, in Arabic literally means wishes, advice, or merely pesanan. You know, that's, that's, oh, that's the literal meaning. Number two, uh, uh, wasiat specifically uh, is also about, you know, uh, what sort of, I guess, assets that you want to be able to give away, uh, but up to one third of your estate. So that's that's one what what's one technical definition. The other one is really purely for uh, administrative purposes, as we operate within you know the different legal framework. It is a document that states who will be your administrator, right? And because uh, that's important, because if you don't have one, then you have to go through that whole legal process of letting getting the uh, letter of administration, and that get, takes a long time before anything can be done about your estate, right? Uh, with a wasiat that actually specifies whether it's your spouse, your brother, whoever, or even a, 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 com- a company, uh, that accelerates the whole process of administration. And then that person then can take the role of then distributing. So that's the starting point. Um, and in terms of why is it important? One is to be able then to express the actual wishes of the deceased, right? And, you know, how he wants to distribute his estate. It helps avoid, you know, go through the cumbersome and lengthy process of unlocking the assets um, as part of the estate administration process. It actually accelerates the whole process. But more importantly for the Muslim consumer, actually it's it's his obligation uh, to do this because if we take a step back in terms of the whole concept of wealth management uh, in, in Islam, there is, is number one, wealth is not ours. Yeah, Wealth is actually uh, from God and we are merely trustees, right? Therefore, we need to manage it, right? And therefore, we need to also plan. And this is the second point is that not just for what we need today, not for what we need later in our life when we retire, you know, but also when we're no longer here, Right and especially for, for the afterlife, right? So 
the fundamentals of Islamic wealth management is that the horizon goes beyond just what we need today. So estate planning is a key component because it helps us manage this for this life and the afterlife. And I guess when we look at Islamic wealth management in Maybank, we look at it into five main pillars. Uh, the first one being wealth creation as we start. Second being uh, accumulation, uh, investments, you know, stuff like that. And I think that's what people are familiar with when it comes to wealth management. Third one is wealth protection. How do you mitigate risk? Mm-hmm. So that's takafu. Fourth being purification. And this is where it starts to be a bit unique on Islamic management. You know, if um, when we acquire a certain amount of wealth, there are obligations mm-hmm. uh, for zakat and stuff like that. And plus, there are instances where we may be earning uh, income from non-Shariah compliant mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. instruments. How do you deal with it? Yeah. So that's pillar four. And pillar five, which is what we're talking about today, is distribution. Because, again, there are obligations uh, uh, on how that needs to be managed. It's right? your responsibility it's as your a responsibility. Muslim, right? You've got to do it, yeah. right? Yeah. And of course, the benefits cuts uh, beyond that, especially now that you know you hear so many stories about your friends and family, is to help mitigate all this uh, problems that might arise. Right? And, and you want to be able to leave uh, your family in a better state, you know, and, 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 and clear. And, yeah. and, 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 and especially that you want them to also to have, uh, to be able to continue their lives after your passing. Yeah. But I want to clarify then, what is the general difference or how is it? How is Islamic estate planning different from conventional estate planning then? Okay, one of the key elements around it is on um, specifically how uh, the estate needs to be distributed. And that's, you, you probably hear a lot of this word called farad, farad distribution. So that, that there is a, a specific uh, rules that needs to be applied around distribution. The other process that we need to think about is that when a person dies, an administrator has been assigned, the first responsibility is to make sure that uh, first, the funeral cost is taken care of, of this person. So that's number two, the person needs to make sure that all his debts are covered. Right? Mm. And this is where you know, people tend to forget because they want only to talk about the third step, where is, which is the estate distribution. Mm. Right? Okay. And within that estate distribution, if the customer specifies, which is not more than one third of his estate, he wants to give to anyone. And this, literally, he can give to anyone other than the uh, heirs, that needs to be distributed as well. Mm. Needs to be specified as well. It needs to be specified. It needs to be distributed. The remnants, right? What's balanced out of that? That then gets distributed according to Farid law through the uh, S. Yeah. Mm. So there are there there are a bit more specificity when it comes to that. And I guess when we look at the the conventional element and a lot of the the guidance is based on I think the distribution act. Right, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so that's that's where I, I would classify what are the major differences between the two. Yeah, so essentially the Farad law has already specified how much will go to your heir, right? Yeah, yeah. Do you have an idea of maybe like what's the general distribution pie like when, let's say, you as a parent, according to Farad law, how much of your asset can be given to your wife, your child? How does it? Yeah. How is it distributed? So, so the, the, the ratios in the set are yes. fixed. They are, they are fixed, right? Mm-hmm. And depending how is your family structure. Uh, it's different if you have a wife and you have two children. If, if both children are girls, it's different if you have a wife, two children, and one of them are boys. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's different also if you still have a living parent, mm. mother, father. Uh, so 
to be honest, that alone is a show by itself. Just just to talk about the specific ratios, but yeah, that, uh, I, I think what what we what we try to do with with our customers at IWM, the moment we start having this conversation, we have the capability to be able to advise those specific calculations, the ratios, with our customers. In in most of these conversations as well, we have our Sharia advisor that can specifically deal with that specific situation, right? How do you distribute if you have, uh, what do you call, uh, adopted child? Ah, yes. Stuff like that, right? So those are, those are, those are, those are a bit more complex and personal to that, to that specific customer. Uh, but yeah, the, those rules are specified and, and, and we, we normally have this conversation specific with that customer. Okay. So. so generally then, what's the benefit of doing Islamic estate planning then? Why is it always better to go this route? As described earlier, number one, it's, it's your responsibility to do that. The major benefit is, is also to, to avoid confusion and disharmony. And the reality is that because this wealth ultimately belongs to our creator, it needs to then flow back and it needs to be, the benefits need to continue to evolve. It shouldn't be stuck and locked in. It, it needs to be productive. And at the same time, it needs to be able to uh, help uh, the, the heirs to continue and be productive. So that's a bit more philosophical, I guess, uh, to a certain extent, right? Conceptually, it's, you try not to hoard your wealth, Correct. right? You yes, yeah. yes. You, you, uh, that's not encouraged. Hoarding is definitely not encouraged. The idea is that, that the, your wealth continues to be productive. Mm. And because your wealth, there are different rights to your wealth. That's that's why you know there there are portions of wealth belongs to uh, certain parties in society, right? And that needs to distribute. And that's why, yeah, hoarding is not encouraged. The idea is for it gets distributed and it becomes productive. All right, we're going to take a short break for some messages. Don't go anywhere. Stay tuned. BFM eighty nine point nine. Welcome back. You're tuned in to Ringgit and Sense. I'm Sim Weeboon and today's topic is Islamic estate planning. And joining me to discuss this is Ahmad Shariza bin Abdurrahman. He's the head of Islamic wealth management and business development at Maybank Islamic. Earlier in the show before the break, we were going through a bit on um, how does Islamic estate planning differ from conventional estate planning. He was touching on Farid, Wasiyad. Um, so now I want to talk about this other term that comes up a lot when we talk about Islamic estate planning, which is Hibah, right? What exactly is Hibah? What, how does it work? and fall into this conversation about Islamic estate planning. Yeah. So so hibah literally means gift, right? I mean that's that's the, the literal meaning of hibah. And um, the idea is that you can hibah or give any th- any part of your wealth prior to your death. Right? And you can give any amount to anyone. But the moment death occurs, right? Then it is well obviously the the wealth is no longer yours. <laughs> it's part of the estate. Mm. Right? And that's when uh, wasiat or rather the, the farid distribution all come into play, right? So hiba is an instrument. Basically, is it's instrument slash documentation agreement just put on paper to say I've given this car or this house or this asset, what whatever to you, and so that it becomes clear to everyone. You know, we we, we develop documentation to reflect as such, right? Uh, but, but from a Sharia perspective, uh, there are uh, different steps to achieve it. In in our current modern setting, we, we document it so that it becomes clearer. And the key thing is to do this while you're alive. Yes. Right? It doesn't happen or it shouldn't happen um, in a post-death situation because that's when a lot of issues and contestation come up, right? That's right. So does this mean that you can do Hiba anytime, any point in your life? That's right. Yeah, you, you, you can, definitely. Yes. Okay. Yes. All right. Okay. Yes. I think one, one of the things that I think creates a bit of 
slash discussion on hibah is because that uh, a person wants to give this house or this car to to to, to his wife or children or whoever that he wants, but he wants to only give it once he's no longer around. Mm, right. Yes, sort of sets a condition. In the meantime, I want to be able to use it. That's where the the, the discussions around hibah gets a bit confusing. Uh, because that asset or the property exchanges ownership after death. Mm-hmm. If, if we go back to the initial initial discussion, we say it's very clear, right? You know, you can hibah before you die. Anything after that is part of your estate and it needs to be managed differently. So that's where that's where it gets a bit more complicated because of that. And, and I guess the reality is because there has been a lot of situation where once you give a house, a car to, to whoever they want, then problems happen and you know things didn't turn out as where you expected and you want to be able to mitigate those risks so that's why there are a lot of those conversations in in society right now but going back to your question around you know how do we go about you know having this conversation even to start thinking about hibah or wasiat is actually uh, the whole idea of preparing a financial plan so um, what we try to advocate in islamic wealth management in maybank islamic is to to help and create a financial plan for our customers. So it starts from the basics where we talk about cash flows, what's your current cash flow, what's your net worth, what's the, the risk that you're trying to mitigate through. And then, you know, you can do takaful for that and, you know, what some of your financial goals you want to achieve. And we proceed to the final field of distribution and we understand, okay, so what, trying to, what are you trying to achieve there, right? And typically this becomes very, quite a close conversation then because you got to not only share what is your current assets and your liabilities, you also have to share... Uh, what's your current family dynamics to a certain extent, right? Okay. <laughs> right, and so it becomes very, very, you know, engaging as such. And that's when the advice can come to play, right? So what, which which instrument makes sense in that situation, right? Um, but w- w- what we try to do is just try to, again, try to be clear about if you want a hibah, do it before you pass. And after that, it's about uh, what's that. So what are these issues that can crop up? I, I guess the the common story that we hear is that, you know, prior to this, a lot of family members perhaps or even don't, don't really care what assets are estates. But the moment the parent, the father passes on, all of a sudden there's interest in that house, in that piece of land, in the amounts of money. Um, and that's where that's where yeah, things get a bit more, uh, uh, I guess, how shall we say, bit difficult, right? And anyone can claim to say, this is my right, this is what, and what needs to be done. And anyone can say, hey, no, dad gave me already this. You know, mm. he mentioned, but no one knew about it, right? It was something that perhaps mentioned at lunch or something, you know. So being able to document it, put it proper and put it as part of clearly as a plan helps clarify of this issue. And plus at the same time, it helps also when, if these matters are brought to court, Hmm. Right, you know, and, and you know, you know, and, and, you know, some families do go through that very painful process of trying to challenge uh, some of this distribution or even the wasiat on because they feel you know they have a right, right? Perhaps all of this can be mitigated and avoided, maybe not totally, but at least mitigated once you have a again a proper plan up front, and then that plan is 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 uh, shared accordingly and it's very well documented with, you know, all the right witnesses and all that. A valid wasiat. A valid wasiat. Clearly outlines clearly everything, outlined. what that you've hiba, what follows this and everything. I mean, in this process, right, going to court usually is the last yeah. measure, right? I mean, before that, are there, uh, are discussions allowed? Oh, yeah, is, yeah. Arbit- is, is kind of like, how does that work? I mean, do you, if, when you want to contest the will, right, or you want to contest say, this family member, this person uh, that uh, these other claims they have, right? I mean, how does that process work? Yeah. Typically, this is something that um, 
you know the, the appointed administrator will take on right and uh, uh, and and is able to then bring the family together and discuss together and and in some instances it can just be resolved at that level right mm. there's an agreement and an understanding of the different needs of the the, the various uh, family members having said that what I'm trying to say is that but each of them would have already been distributed according to fari for easy discussion you know there's a cash of 1 million left mm. everyone gets distributed according to fari as such but within the family everyone agrees that maybe this uh, sibling uh, requires more help because she's a single parent and she has a handicapped child for example mm-hmm. just 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 for example so a discussion can be had everyone gets the decision first but they all agree after having their 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 share to give a portion all of the, all, all of their portion to that sibling but can it be written in a way that um it's already been decided by the person that you know let's say the person the, that has passed can he already decide on the structure of how he wants his asset to be distributed or do you still at the end they have to follow the farai distribution you have to follow the farai distribution okay yeah that's fixed and in a way non negotiable you know okay. that's very clearly stated yeah you have to but if is it possible just just hypothetically it's like okay maybe if i already have an intention to like you know i already know that this family member of mine is needs a bit more help right can i approach the other family members my other heirs yeah. and not set a condition but advise them yeah. in a way where you know when i pass according to our law this is how it is distributed but i would like for you to extend this help to so that way it becomes clearer and a bit more peaceful i guess yeah. right yeah yeah definitely i mean ideally in that situation we have two options either again you do the hibah pit up front mm. then 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 that, that support goes directly or uh, uh You, you know you can go through the trustee approach where then the trustee will manage and and and, and cover that uh, uh but like you say lah at, at the same time i guess the father whatever would would have already and have that conversation mm, with their mm. children say okay yeah you will all get your portion according to farid mm. however right would you like you to consider you know that please lend uh, extra help lah for 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 your sister for example okay but this is more easily to visualize because it's 1 million ringgit right yeah, what about shared assets yeah. like you know spouses owning a house right yeah. where does that fit into this conversation then? yeah more reason that we have to plan and have that discussion early on so so you're, you're right house is a great example right so number one, for most of us we require financing to get a house right so for most of us most likely you know depending how long you live those houses will be encumbered so how, then how do we tackle that so that's number one. number two, uh, and and uh, suppose the family structure is such you have a wife and multiple children and a boy and that's the only house that you have although technically you know the, the mother is taking care of the family and staying in the house and you know logically we think that she should continue but from a farid perspective uh every uh, uh air has got a a a stake in the house so to manage that and again this is what we try and advise our customers probably best to hibah it up front have that discussion up front plan and such so that that uh can be uh, in a way uh be clearer for everyone what's your advice or thought on like how early should people start planning this because i think 
generally in Malaysia or even in our Asian cultures, right? Mm. This discussion of death, life after, even distribution of yeah. your assets, right? It's, it's somewhat taboo, you know? It's Very just, taboo. It can be disrespectful as well at some yeah. point, right? You know, I'm not going to walk up to my dad and ask me that, right? But from what we've just spoken about, it's also very important to start talking about this, right? So from your point of view, right, when do you see people generally start thinking about these uh, conversations or this estate planning? Yeah, actually you're right. I mean, first of all, uh, talking about money initially is already considered rude somewhat, mm-hmm. right? Talking about disputing money or asset after you die is even more taboo. You're right, it, it's not something commonly it's done. But having said that, what we've seen happening at least the last two years, more, more, more and more of these conversations are actually happening now. Uh, we're hearing a lot more conversations, especially this is more coming from the husband or the breadwinner of the family, thinking about what happens if I'm no longer around, right? People are having more of, more of these frank conversations and, you know, so how, what do I do? How do I prepare? And what are the solutions? So while it is taboo, the, the conversations are more uh, happening more frequently now and uh, 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 this conversation also happening earlier. Uh, typically, you know, uh, uh, you would imagine that someone in their 50s would probably start talking mm. about this. But we're seeing, we're seeing younger and younger uh, uh, sort of uh, uh, demographics having these conversations, right? Uh, so I guess what we try to do is try to facilitate that. Again, it goes back to our our initial idea and what we're trying to promote in Islamic wealth management on the idea of establishing a financial plan. And, and that, that financial plan is not just an idea, it's actually a document, mm. right? That states your financial standings and, you know, and, and, and your objectives you know, achieve and what are the various options that you want to consider. You don't have to do it, right? You know, you can do it whenever you're ready, but there is, there's a clear options for you to consider. And Typically, uh, we try and encourage to, to have this conversation as, as early as possible. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not about whether you're older when you think about it or whether you have more assets than you think about it. Actually, the sooner the better. Yeah, and generally, like you said, right, you don't have to do it now. Yeah. But it's important to know what your options are. It's important to know what's available so that you're clearer on that. So lastly, I guess I want to end with is the most important part of this conversation is like, generally, how much does it cost to go through all this Okay. Um, in terms of establishing a financial plan together with us, it's part of our current offering in uh, Maybank Islamic Wealth Management. So that's uh, one part of it. But if you do talk about specific products, wasiat, for example, right? Mm. It ranges in the market. You know, I'm not, not just talking about Maybank Islamic, but in the market, uh, to be honest, it ranges from free to a couple of thousand. Mm, okay. I, I guess f- there are some organizations that offer in a way for free, but it's a basic template so that you can, yeah. you know, put your name and nominate and that's it. And so this is the wasiat. La, the wheel, uh, this is the wasiat. Yeah. It's, a, it's a basic document, but it can go to uh, anywhere up to five, 6,000, depending on the complexity and, you know, time involved in, mm-hmm. in developing it. So it ranges, yeah. All right, and that's all the time we have for today's episode of Ringgit and Sense. I've been talking to Ahmad Shariza bin Abdurrahman. He's the head of Islamic Wealth Management and Business Development at Maybank Islamic. I'm Simwi Boon from The Morning Run. Join us again next week for more discussions on personal finance. We have the 10 a.m. news bulletin coming up next, followed by Enterprise BFM 89.9. Ringgit and Sense on BFM 89.9, the business station. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.